Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about preparing your players for a sandbox campaign, as well as loot in Dungeons & Dragons 5e, and the Adventure League rules for said loot, and then I answer a bunch of questions about Hot Springs Island and my campaign. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody in chat. we got a bunch of people showing up. I even see a new name or two, so that is good. Yeah, so happy Saturday and happy three-day weekend to a lot of you. Um, or, yeah, I guess some of you probably still have to work. Or you'll be like me and you're going to do a bunch of yard work on Monday. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. Uh, labor, labor day. Is that what it is? Labor yeah. day, labor day weekend. I know my days. Don't, don't judge me. Yeah. And I don't even care why it's a holiday at this point. I just care when I get three day weekends. They could just call it the three day weekend holiday. And I yeah. Don't <laughs> I don't care. No, it's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't think we have any news really to talk about in the Dungeons and Dragons. Waterdeep Dragon Heist is coming out soon. Next Friday for in stores. For in stores, yeah. So if you're one of those yeah. lucky people that gets it in stores, or if you're one of those people like me that wait to get it online because it's a little bit cheaper and I'm poor, uh, I do it that way. So yeah, I'm torn because I told him to order the book, and so my my game company's going to get it. But I forgot my own rule, which was don't order the book, order it on roll twenty. Because if I play the game, I get it on roll twenty, and you pay like the. 49 bucks there yeah and it puts it in so that you can actually host the game because i don't need the physical book for the adventure sets i only need the physical book for like the rules and i totally forgot that but i might just buy it just because the artwork and all the stuff that's gonna no be yeah there. it's it's fun there it's interesting adventures uh chris perkins was talking about like how to write a really good adventure and they were like write something that's interesting to read because you are going to have that dungeon master that just curls up with that book late at night and he's mm -hmm. flipping through it and if you can make him chuckle or laugh or read or enjoy what he's reading that's what sells a good adventure not necessarily like the adventure itself being super duper fun like if you want to sell a good adventure because half of the time i feel like dungeon masters buy these like myself read them mm -hmm. like myself and never run them like i have storm king's thunder i have tomb of annihilation i have uh, Rave, uh i was gonna say castle ravenloft but um curse of strahd and I've read them all, but I have not run any of them. Uh, but they're still just fun to read. And you, and then you, as a dungeon master, you steal ideas for your own game. So it kind of makes yeah. sense. But now, do you think? Um, are you planning on running a campaign with this one? You got any plans for this one or the or the next one that's coming out? Or uh, no, I no, think yeah. I am not going to buy Dragon Waterdeep Dragon Heist because yeah. I want to play in it. Um, mm. So I'm going to try and convince maybe some of my Hot Springs Island uh, D&D players to see if um, after Hot Springs Island, maybe we want to transition to that and maybe they want to run it or I could run it too. But I want to know that I have a group for it before I buy it, I guess, because mm -hmm. um, I feel like I can't sit down. I, I, I've been invited to play in um, a little bit of Tomb of Annihilation and it's kind of sad because I've read it, so I know the whole thing. And it's kind of like, well, I could jump in and play with you for a couple of things, but 
I, I don't know. Like, you, you lose the magic because you already know what's happening, and you have to pretend that you don't know what's happening. Um, and not that I have every puzzle memorized, because that's not the case at all. But, like, the overarching story, you kind of already know, so the mystery's yeah. kind of gone. So I decided that I will allow Dragon Heist to be the game that I potentially play. So we'll see where that goes. But I did that with Tomb of Annihilation because I did... Uh, oh, and, and Yawning Portal because I mm. bought Storm King's Thunder and was running it. So I, then I felt like, well, if I'm running it, I can't really be a player in it. Or, yeah. Like you said, you can, but you kind of know the stuff that's going on. So it's kind of a little weird. Yeah. Tales and of the so, Yawning Portal, I read the ones that I knew I was going to run, but I yeah. specifically didn't read um, Sunless Citadel and... A couple mm-hmm. of the other ones I didn't read because I knew I was like, well, no, I don't, I, I don't want to run those. Like I want to, yeah. I want to play in them at some point. And I yeah. have it, with Adventure League. Like there's been a couple times where we've ran Sunless Citadel at Adventure League, so it paid off not to read it. So. Well, I definitely think I want to get into the GMing of Adventure League, so I think that's why I'm going to do the Waterdeep because that's the next season mm-hmm. and where it starts. So I'll probably, at some point, be trying to run it. Of course you know, within a two weeks of it dropping, I started the mega campaign. So, yeah. I was like, like you're busy the, the timing wise. So I don't know how all that's going to work. And you know, I'm like, I keep telling everybody I'm buying a house, selling a house and getting all that stuff. So we got to move and all that stuff. So somehow all that's going to happen. Yeah. Not yet, but it'll happen. <laughs> but hopefully, are you planning um, on running Waterdeep Dragon Heist or the uh, Adventure League Adventures tied to Waterdeep Dragon Heist? I want to do the Adventure League Adventures that are tied mm. to it, the ones that are specifically built for it, um, because I want to get the experience of the Adventure League and the Adventure League Adventures. Like, yeah. The one set I watched was um, when Adam Coble started the Roll20 Adventure League series. They went back to like season three or four, started with the first uh, adventure that had released with that. And they played their characters through that. And they had, I thought those were all really fun, concise, maybe one or two sessions at the most to get through them. And then it would go to the next one and it would go to the next one. They Mm -hmm. were loosely linked, but not, you know, not terribly linked if they Mm -hmm. didn't want to do stuff. And so I'm hoping that's how the Dragon Heist ones are as far as the Adventure League adventures and then run it that way because we'll probably talk about it a little bit when we talk about Tomb of Annihilation because I played that this week and have a bunch of, uh, like in in my notes there, I put there's a bunch of discussion going on because of what that's been generating. (laughs) um, Yeah, adventure. so I want to do Dragon Heist Adventure League stuff if I can and work with my maybe my game store to go down and do a couple of nights and see how that goes. I think ours is on a Wednesday night. And I guess I should point out, you can buy all of these on, I think, dmsguild.com. Um, they have all of the Adventure League content that you can buy, and they make for great one-shots because they are designed for, like, three to four hours of play um, mm-hmm. and then loosely connect them so that if you want to just, like, I don't know, try out Dungeons & Dragons, like, it's it makes for a great one-shot. Get the level one adventure and just try it out. Um, yeah. My game store has, uh, well, I don't know if they're supposed to do this, but they kind of share them back and forth because like one person buys them, they make some photocopies so that multiple people can run them. So I flipped through a couple of them and they're just really fun, like adventures. Uh, I'd like to, I think it would be interesting to do that, to be like, okay, let's do a level kind of what I want to do with my dungeon crawl classics game where you're like, let's run a level one, uh, adventure league game. And then the next week we'll be level two and we'll run a level two adventure league game and just kind of progressively go three, four, five, like every week you level up and try have a new adventure, have a new game set at mm-hmm. that level, um, which would be really fun to do. So 
rather than yeah. like through XP progression and things like that. Yeah. And we'll have to, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in all the new rules. And for me, the adventure itself, Waterdeep sounds okay-ish to me. Like I, I haven't had this huge need to do a big city campaign. Like I haven't been dying like, oh man, where's all these city campaigns? Cause I just want to be in the, in this, you know, gangs of New York style game and all that. Cause I would play blades in the dark or something like that for mm-hmm. probably that similar of a game. But I'm super excited for the Mega Dungeon, which is the next release, which is in November of the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, yeah. which is basically the Mega Dungeon underneath Waterdeep. And that mm-hmm. I really want to play in. Like, I want to be a player in a Mega Dungeon Delving campaign. Like, that's that's so 80s to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be in that for sure. And to go from 5 to 20, I really yeah. am impressed like with the amount of content that is in there or are people going to level, I guess it's going to utilize the new leveling rules that adventure league has. So maybe um, leveling up will be easier and it'll still be like tomb of annihilation. You go from what? One to 15. No one to like 11. Yeah. I think it's, a. Uh, I think it says 10 plus, but yeah, probably 11 yeah, or 12. 11 or 12. Um, yeah. And that's like a year long campaign. If you play every week, mm-hmm. usually, um, so yeah. I'm wondering, like, going from five to twenty, I'm just like, is this going to be a two-year dungeon, <laughs> like, or yeah, or are they going to level yeah. you up a little faster? But I thought Perkins might have said there might be twenty-seven levels to that dungeon, yeah. or there's something like that. He was talking about there's this level on fourteen, and then there's level seventeen, which is this whole thing. And I'm just like, they're going to give us a book that has twenty-ish levels a full-on dungeon delving. And he said those it's not even every single level. These are the most prominent levels. And there's still room for GMs to put in wherever, if you want to fine-tune a level yourself or something and put mm. it in or you have some ideas, there's room for that all over. So the underneath Waterdeep apparently is just massive. And I'm just thinking, I want to I wanna, I wanna yeah. run a character through that. I want a nice, strong story character to go through that whole thing that'd be super cool i wonder what kind of crazy map they're going to give us because yeah. the previous under mountain campaigns for like 3.5 and, and stuff came with really cool maps yeah dyson logos is the one that's doing the maps if you see him on twitter quite a bit he does really cool hand-drawn maps mm-hmm. and i heard them talking about it at a podcast uh or their it was either the dragon plus show or, or the other one and they were talking about all his maps that he were they were working with him to do so that was really cool um, and like they were talking about the artwork and they were showing off how they would show um, people like the townsfolk of Waterdeep. So you didn't just get adventurer portraits. You also got townsfolk or the kids that are running around, mm-hmm. or, you know, there, there's all this stuff going on to give you this idea of you're in a city. So, and they said, it's very interesting. Like they have double decker carriage drawn carriages or something similar to like a double decker bus from London in some ways. Um, so it's a very metropolitan, very advanced kind of town. And this is, I think, the first time we're really going to see that in the uh, in the artwork, too. So that's mm-hmm. going to be super cool to have that. So it's exciting. Next week, I'll pick up my book. And by next Saturday, I'll be able to flip through it. We'll be able to maybe even put a few tidbits in there, show off some art or something, or just have people yeah. ask questions. I'll probably have read bet through it by then. And uh, it'll be fun. And then That'll November, we'll fun. get the other one. And and then hopefully, eventually, I want Ravnica, too, because I want to play in Ravnica. And I know you want to do Eberron, because yeah. Eberron's out. Are you going to do something with Eberron, or? Um, game-wise, probably not. Uh, I don't know. I'm reading the lore right now. I picked up not only Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, but, like, the Adventurer's Guide to Eberron and the event Eberron campaign setting from 3.5 and 4th edition. 
Um, and I've been reading through them just for like lore videos and stuff and having a good time. And I'm really enjoying Eberron. Uh, some of my players are really excited about Eberron and would like me to to run a game in it. But like, it's just getting to the point where it's too many games. Like, like I, I just, it's like, I, I don't think I can run and prep yet another game because I'm doing two DMing two games right now and playing in one plus adventure league. I mean, that's four days out of seven that are pretty much taken up with D and D. You should see my schedule. No. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> crazy. So, but Gosh, I don't know. Like, I love, I love this whole. I love how magic is in Eberron, and I would really love to play a game in it or run a game in it. And now that I'm kind of digesting the lore and becoming more familiar with it, it just uh, fuels that fire even more. So well, I was we'll wondering see. too. Like, would your Sunday group be the group that would let you transition to to, uh, to Eberron? Are they are they steampunkish people? Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't really consider Eberron steampunkish, but. Oh really? Like, I always thought it. That's what it feels like to me, is because it's. I guess it's it doesn't feel like Victorian to me. It feels yeah. like lightning yeah. rails and stuff. I guess I see yeah, what you yeah, think yeah. of, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe they, they seem like they're they're wanting a change. Maybe so it could be like, hey, we're still going to play D and D, but it's going to be completely different. Um, or I do the unthinkable and transition that game into a dungeon crawl classics game of my own. Maybe I'll do Eberron dungeon crawl classics. <laughs> that, there you go. I don't know if I could do that though. Cause the magic system in dungeon crawl classics is very like magic is dangerous. And Eberron is like, magic is super useful and yeah. we use it for everything. So yeah. it's yeah. a science. Magic like is I, science. <laughs> I think specifically it says in dungeon crawl classics, like, yes, there's spells that cast light on objects, but it's so dangerous to do that. Just light a torch. So those mm-hmm. spells aren't in the game because it's easier to just light a torch than it is to try and do some like pact with ancient gods to gain enough magic to like illuminate a room, you know, mm-hmm. uh, man, love dungeon crawl classics, but enough about that. <laughs> uh, what did you do in games this week? Cause you said well, you got a busy, busy schedule. So, so much, really so much. Um, so we started out the week and it's so funny to me because my week now runs from Saturday to Saturday, right? So wow. <laughs> I do different things. It's just, but it's mostly because the Saturday morning D&D shows because it's like, okay, so what happened to me between the now and the last time we talked? Yeah. That's my new week. So when I talk to other people, it's like my week is from Saturday to Saturday, which throws everything off. But so Sunday worked out. Um, normally I have a tabletop game that I play sitting at a table but last sunday uh several of them were out of town so they called it off and i thought whew, i gotta get ready for this big week of gaming anyways um so i used that to prep the upcoming week which really was my monday night crew um they went through my seeking ravnica ravnica revenar i knew i was gonna get that wrong (laughs) (laughs) revenar (laughs) campaign which is my mega campaign that i launched over a week ago and they are the group that pre-tested it for me, and we talked about all the pre-West Marches stuff that we talked about. If you're ever hearing the shows, and you're, that's what we were talking about. Now the real thing is going. It's no more pre or testing or anything like that, and it went pretty well. Uh, we were able to test some mechanics that um, I'd been waiting to see them in action. Like I'd written them down; they were in paper, but I wasn't sure how it was going to be because, like, I wanted to do skill challenges for the traveling to bypass all spending that time with just like, okay, you guys go two squares and now let me roll random encounter. Yeah. Oh, it's 
it's some bears and now you guys got to fight some bears and all of that stuff not really having anything to do with the story which is exactly what i'm doing with hot springs island like yeah the the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish but like it is like they go to a new hex and i roll randomly okay you've encountered a bear and we fight bears yeah yeah and so yeah i'm I'm trying to slip past a little bit of that because i know i've got so much in there random anyways and stuff that's not connected or is connected but um so the skill mechanic that we were trying out was each person in the party, and I always think of it as a four-person party, um, will roll make one of these rolls. So there's a navigation roll, there's a foraging roll, there is a I'm on lookout, kind of like an encounter roll is what I call it. And then there's like the rumor roll, which is the I'm just I'm just kind of watching the land and I might see something that would be interesting to explore later on. And if I do, I'll put it on there. So these are all random things. And, and if they get like critical successes, they might get something really good. It might get enough money to offset their travel costs. They can get some bonuses. If they get failures, they might take longer than they were trying to get somewhere. They uh, One group uh, got a minus to their ability checks. They got a level of exhaustion when they got to where they were at because it took them so long to get there. They had a bad roll. Um, so things like this to encourage. And then the other thing, that we were testing out is this idea of giving people XP for those. So not only is it a new mechanic, mm. but then if they get a success, then I was giving them like 25 XP at the end. Um, so each person could earn this little bump of XP for themselves for, for volunteering to be either the navigator, the forager, uh, the scout is what I call it, the lookout um, or the chronicler. So I think everybody had a good time with it. I think it went pretty well. In uh, the first group, they decided to head north, and they fought some harpies, which I hadn't done in a campaign yet. So these are CR1 creatures. Very fun. Very Had an enchantment mechanic. Had multi-attacks at a CR1, which I thought was... I didn't even realize until the fight started that I got to roll you know, two attacks. Um, pretty dangerous for a, a level yeah. one group to go up against. And they fought... Yeah, a couple of them, which was really good. Do you have them um, lift anyone up? Because I'm trying to remember. I used harpies, and I think they can lift people up and drop them. I think they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I didn't. Yeah, they were they they came bursting out of some tents, and oh, okay. my my group just jumped on them quickly before they before they got too far. <laughs> so, but it was cool because a couple of the players failed their enchantment, which was you just try to get closer to the harpies because they're singing the song, and. Uh, their turn would just go by and they couldn't do anything and they wouldn't make that roll at the end. You always get a roll at the end of your turn again to see if you can break the spell. And and one or two of them had real trouble. So it really put a huge dynamic on the fight. So I think it was a fun fight to for them to try to figure out when half their party's down and then another party would come up and then another one would start singing and they had to make those rolls again. So it was very interesting um, play. So I like that. I like uh, their mechanic. And then... I think they had fun. I think they enjoyed the whole thing. We got one whole session done in one night, which was good. We didn't end a session midway through and have to pick it back up the next week. So it's all, they're back at town, which is cool. Um, we montage through any like um, buying or purchasing stuff, which is what I want to do. So I think that's going to be the way uh, that it works pretty well. So that one went great. That's streamed online. And I think we had a, we had a pretty good audience for the Monday night um, group coming out and watching the Monday night group, which mm-hmm. was cool too out on on youtube um and then we did uh tuesday i played tomb of annihilation 
Um, we were at the uh, city of Omu at this point. Um, I won't do any spoilers for any of those that are playing it, but um, we did fight a big T-Rex, uh, one that has feathers. Some of you, if you've read the module, you might know something about that. And uh, what I thought was interesting about that is we, when it first came out of the woods on us, we were we had that, oh man, this is not good. We we shouldn't do something, but we all just kind of jumped in and started fighting it, and then realized we're taking huge chunks of damage out of it at this point. My barbarian is doing on average probably anywhere from thirty-five to forty points of damage every single round. Wow! Uh, what level are you guys? Sudden, yeah, uh, we're level uh, five. Okay. Yeah, and it's just the amount of power that a fifth level group can put out in a round against something, even if it's one thing that's big and it has one big... Now, it hit me, and it hit me hard, but I'm a barbarian, so I was able to take the first hit, and now it's like you know five or six characters beating on that thing. And then rolled the hit, and I think it missed on its mm -hmm. next hit, and now it's five or six characters beating on that thing. So there's always this weird... Action economy. Yeah, it's always this weird thing about things don't seem as tough if it's just one of them. They always seem much more dire if there's a bunch of them type thing. Um, so the the cool thing I liked about that is the the GM himself, the DM, uh, Anarsis, he, at a certain point, it was clear we were whooping on this thing and we were going to beat it. And it had this ability to um, get away, kind of like a get out of, get out of jail free card kind of ability. And so he used it and started running away. And we didn't give chase because we wanted to go into the city. But at the end of the session, what I liked about it, because we're playing the Adventure League kind of rules, we still got the XP for that encounter, mm -hmm. even though we didn't actually kill it, kill it. Um, and I thought his reasoning was pretty good because he said, even if you guys meet it again, it's still going to be that tough. It's still going to be, it, you know, dice rolls go wrong one way. Like if he bites on one of the other characters in that first round, they go down. Like I can take it, but one of the other characters goes down and that's a whole different fight once one of the players goes down, right? So I was like, yeah, that's a good way to think about you don't have to kill everything to get the XP. You can fight something, and if they run away from you, you can still award the XP for them because even if they're going to meet them two weeks down the road, it's still going to be a fight. It's still going to be its own challenging encounter, and the XP are meant for the encounter, not like the creature itself. It's not like a video game where it's like the, the corpse is what gives you the XP. Yeah. It's yeah. Just the encounter gives you the XP. And sometimes I, I don't say, I wouldn't say I forget it, but I like to be reminded of that, that it's the, that the, uh, it's the battle that happens mm. is the XP. Is what it's worth. So that was pretty cool. Um, we also fought some uh, NPC UNT and oh my God, they were super tough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I laid into one, and again, my Barbarian's doing a ton of damage, and I laid into one for three rounds, and it didn't go down, and I started thinking, and there was like five of them in there, and I'm like, I haven't even gotten one down yet. This is starting to look dire. <laughs> right? yeah. we, but we finally turned it around. Like it, at, When there were five of them, everything's looking bad. Everybody's getting hit hard. The poisons are coming in. You can't really stop poison damage. It's just racking up on our characters. And then finally, we get the one down, and it's now it's like five on four or six on four at that point. And that's when the avalanche starts. And then we just start walking through them like they're water. But that, that they had the same action economy that we did. And it looked, it looked pretty dicey for a while there. And we did lose one of our NPCs. Uh, uh, Artist Simber has passed away in our campaign world. So for some of you, if you've read it, you might know there was a character in their name, Artist. 
uh, we have lost artists. We seem to lose NPCs quite often. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was interesting. So that's an interesting, fun thing. Um, we had the talk about XP. We also had to have the talk because if a character dies as an NPC, a lot of times they're running around with cool items, right? Yeah. And they've been using them in encounters. And then, but eventually you can't really necessarily pick that stuff up. That's not something you can add to your character. So we had to go back and look at that. And that was true because in the thing, we uh, we were looking at uh, magic item might drop off that character. And then we had to go look at the rules to say, no, that's not what actually happens for the Adventure League rules. So it feels like we're all level five. I'm I'm 85 XP from level six at this point. I, mm -hmm. I keep getting super close on these sessions. None of us have a single magic item yet. So I know in the Adventure League, um, like one shots that we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. every everything drops at least one magic item. So if you get this item or this adventure, you run it, there's a magic item that will go to one person at the table. Um, and I'm not sure about Tomb of Annihilation because it's been a while since I've read it, but you should, like, what what rules are you talking about, I guess? Because if a magic item drops, it should go to somebody, um, but there's not necessarily a bunch of plus one weapons lying around, I guess, but what are you specifically talking about? Yeah, yeah, see, here's, here's where the confusion comes in, I think, because what we are doing is we are playing Adventure League rules, but I believe he's playing Tomb of Annihilation, the module, as the module. They're not right. The so there should be thing. magic items in there, and I'm pretty sure there are. Maybe, but <laughs> if you're only going through hexes and you're only encountering dinosaurs and undead, oh okay, no items are dropping from any of that stuff. In fact, right. you, there is no items at all. You get a gold point at the end, right? There's just some arbitrary gold number that's given, and there's XP. There is no magic items in any of those encounters now you can buy magic items i think back at the town but we've been in the jungle for since we've been level yeah. two and we're heading down and doing stuff so it's this really weird thing and we're not allowed to take the um magic items from the npcs and in fact one of as an example why this not might be, really like yeah this might be a, a a spoiler but we went and looked it up so like artist simber himself has the ring of winter yeah that's a big thing it says in there that if any of the characters take the ring of winter for adventure league that character can have it but they immediately retire that's a written rule in there that if you get retire. or you steal it or you take it from artist simber then that character gets retired. So because they can't have that in the Adventure League, you can't show up with three characters that all have Ring of Winners. Gotcha. The they can't do it. Because it's, right? it's so, a plot item more than it's a magic item. And it, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's called their story item um, magic items that these characters will have, and you can't have those. So, but that's the magic items they have. Um, they're not necessarily carrying other arbitrary plus one swords. That yeah, just fall yeah. Out they have their story items. So you don't necessarily get that. So I think this is one of the things that's going to the new seasons addressing really is this idea of that you're gaining points and you can spend those points on the things you yeah. want versus waiting for the random chart God or the adventure to drop something that's actually useful for you. Are you guys going to, 
Are you going to yeah. update and to the new rules? Because yeah, yeah, come September first, I guess it's come today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think you have to convert your character in some yeah. way. And yeah. yeah, yeah, there's all those kinds of things. So it's it's interesting. I realize the danger of what they're trying to do. They're trying to allow somebody to take their character, go to another game mm. on Wednesday night because they just played on Monday night. And that character on Wednesday night that jumps into a group and plays again doesn't disrupt the game in some way because on Monday somebody was throwing out 10 magic items, but on Wednesday didn't put out any magic items. Mm. And then he joins a group and they're like, oh, well, I use my wand of fireballs and I use my, oh, I have the armor of invulnerability. And then the other characters are like, what? We have like wooden swords. <laughs> you know, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Mm-hmm. So I, I get the problem. I don't know if the solutions are right yet, and I don't know if they're perfect. Obviously, they're changing them because they don't think they're quite right. Um, and I don't know if it can be fixed. I don't know if there's a great way to try to run a narrative story where a character can jump from story arc to story arc to story arc without disrupting it in some way mm-hmm. by the equipment you gave. It'd be an example of your characters in your Sunday group coming over and jumping into my Storm King Thunder group, like because I'm playing it pretty straight and narrow. So, and they've complained about even in Storm King Thunder, there's not a lot of magic items to get. They've gotten some utility items like potions here or there. They've gotten one or two okay items. But like you said, there's not a plus one sword to be found anywhere this far. And they're six levels. So if your characters had come in with the cool weapons you'd given your, yeah. your Sunday crew, that'd blow up my game in, a, in an instant. <laughs> um, Hot Springs Island has like over 300, maybe 400 magic items, um, but there's no rules about when you dish them out. So I've had a hard time of like, okay, they fought a bunch of salamanders. Should I roll on the salamander treasure table? Should I do this? So usually I, when they go looking for stuff, I kind of like turn around and I'm like, okay, they're they're actively looking for something. We'll We'll throw them a bone and see if they roll high enough to find something. But um, you want magic items, play play that campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm starting to think about is it, I love 5th edition. I've been a big um, um, cheerleader for it. I've been a big proponent for it. It's the one that if somebody wants to say they want to play Dungeons & Dragons, I don't say, hey, let me go get my 4th edition books or let me go get my 3rd edition books because I like these systems better and 5th isn't blah. I like 5th. I really like it, the whole stuff. But I'm starting to not like the low amount of magic items because one of the things that I think was super cool in Dungeons and Dragons is when you do finally get that sword that does something or that wand that does something or that staff that does something or that cool armor, that cool shield. Those are all cool things. Like when you got the, um, the, the whip of uh, Leviatar, Mm -hmm. that's a cool item. You want something like that. You don't want it to break the game by any means, but you want that, iconic anchoring piece of item to say, yeah, this is what makes me different from any other, you know, Joe Blow person running around with a sword. Well, to be clear though, there are magic items in Dungeons and Dragons. The DMG is full of them. Um, And there are rules that if you fought a certain amount of CR numbered creatures at a certain XP level, you would then roll on said chart to see what magic items they were holding um, mm-hmm. I wonder if you're supposed to use those rules, and it makes no sense for a, a giant T-Rex to have a wand of fireballs. Like I get that, um, but maybe it's the adventures aren't giving out the magic items yeah. that you want, as opposed yeah. to like the rules are in there to hand out magic items if you want to hand out magic items. I guess, which yeah, is yeah. why my characters are so powered because I like magic items and I gave them a ton on my Sunday game. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, and 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 what I'm and what I'm also referring to is you're right. That's the first big point I was trying to make on the whole thing is I think the adventures are light on handing out magic items mm. anyways. And I think if you go and find a, uh, a Tomb of Annihilation list of magic items that are in the entire module, it's not a big list of things. Like, it's it's a pretty smallish list. But the second reason, the second point for saying 5th edition's a little light is because you can tell, and I've heard him say it, and now I, I actually see it in the mechanics, they balance the game so that you can play it and nobody gets a single magic. Yeah, I was going to bring that That's up too. clear. I mean, it now it, it to me it was just words being said before, where I was like, okay, you you know, what does that actually mean? But now I can really see it. There is no emphasis on you needing a magic item to play this game. Thus, the games you're playing are probably going to be lower in magic items than you might think normally. If you needed them to actually fight vampires and 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 higher level CR anything, and the only way your character was ever going to be able to do that is if they had the boosts of these magic items, then we would see more of them, I think, in the adventures. But because they're so balanced and because we get so many abilities and because we're constantly ramping up our characters, I think that's the thing that makes GMs like me or DMs like me most of the time keep a slow roll on the magic items, right? You're not handing them out as as often. And maybe that's on us, like you said, because the DMG tells you how to do it. But I feel like, wow, they're already pretty powerful for a CR6 mm. group. And here's one item, but, you know, everybody doesn't have an item yet or or you don't have too much. So, Mm -hmm. Um, and I I don't think it's broken in any way. And as a a DM, you can play the game any way you want. You want high magic, you play high magic. You want no magic. You can play a game where there's zero magic in the game if you want, and you can be anywhere in the middle. Um, But I was just thinking of it more from the idea of if you're following their modules, which is if you're trying to play it as I guess they're presenting their own game, like the way they think it should be. Not, I don't even know if it's they. That's probably not the right way to say it. They don't tell you how you should play Dungeons and Dragons. They give you some options to add to your game, or maybe some examples that you can use, but you are definitely you don't have to use if you don't want to. Um, and those feel like light magic to me. And you that when you do get that one magic item, it feels special because it is this you in this world of mundane items, you got this one magic item. So there's a reason to to hold back on magic items in these adventures and make make the um the Dawnbringer, the like laser sword that's in uh Curse of Strahd, like that feels really important when you get it because it's it's a game changer for the whole game. Um I think I think your Adventure League rules and uh, not yours, but like the Adventure League rules and these written um, campaigns are kind of at odds. I don't think they mm-hmm. they're meshing as well as Wizards of the Coast wants them to. Hence, while they're like, "Hey, you can no longer have Dawnbringer, you can no longer have the Ring of Winter, and things like that," they're they're trying to 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 take that out of the equation. So, um, yeah. and the, you might just be caught in the middle of this of this kind of problematic equation. So, yeah. Well, and I think the other one they were talking about too is the gold problem. Like apparently at the higher levels of this, people are running around with, you know, bags of um um holding that, you know, have millions of gold right. coins or something and it just gets to a point that's a ridiculous. Yeah. Point. I mean, because my fifth level bard has I don't know how much money it has off the top of my head, but like I could easily buy two or three things like yeah. high magic things. If I had the points for it kind of a thing, cause I've just got yeah. lots of gold sitting around. So 
So it's definitely interesting. I get, um, and I'm not, it's not a complaint from me. It's more of a realization. I understand that if I had to sit here and me and Jordan were building our own role-playing game and we decided we wanted to have a living campaign and we wanted to be, have players to be able to jump from group to group on any given night and just fit in and mesh perfectly, we would have the same problems, the same struggles, the same hurdles to try to overcome and I get it. It's not an easy, there's no just easy fix for most of these because there's always a way somebody's going to break it. Players are going to play the game, right? They're going to, they're going to play those rules to the hilt and somebody's going to find some loophole or something you didn't say and use it to their advantage, which they should. They're the player. It's a game. Some are playing it to win in some ways and, and adventure league can be played in that kind of mindset, which is kind of a nepma for a lot of people. Like if you say, I, I play Dungeons and Dragons to win, that's kind of like a, Whoa, what are you talking about? You're supposed to play Dungeons and Dragons for a cool story and <laughs> having fun with your friends. You can't play to win, but that's not true. You can play Dungeons and Dragons to win too if you want. Um, you just gotta, yeah, so it's just a different way to do it. I, I always think. just keep thinking of war games where he's like, the only way to win is to not play. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> so that was, um, so Adventure League, obviously we had a lot of discussion and it, and it generated a lot of thought on my side about how running living adventures would be. And it kind of ties in a little bit with my own mega campaign because I also have tried to create a way that people can drop in and drop out, reform parties every single mm -hmm. week if they wanted to, get different people in. And how's that going to work with them bringing in the items and doing the different things and level disparity? You know, like uh, one guy's a level five and the other person's a level two. Is that going to be fine? Is there going to be a problem with that? How do I, you know, whatever. Um, so it's good to think about those things if you're going to be running a, a game like that. You could be doing a Hot Springs Island very similar to that, where if you're running multiple groups through Hot Springs Island, that would be something where you'd be thinking about those kinds of things too. So if anybody's out there going to do a campaign where it's linked, the parties are linked, they're in the same world, they're in the same timeline, they're all running together and stuff. These are some of the things that you'll think about is like how much magic items are, think are yeah. people getting, how is that working when they cross pollinate into the different groups? So just keep those things in mind. So it was really cool creatively to be thinking about that stuff this week. And then I finished it off with a Thursday night was my very first second expedition into seeking revenue. So this is a completely, I'd never met most of this party um, at all. They are fans of the show. They're fans of Forgotten Realms Explain. They're fans of the Saturday morning D&D show. There are people that happen to see the thing on Twitter. They went through and followed all the rules. They formed oh, their cool. party. It worked. Out, so, yeah, so Skull Dixon, <laughs> uh, he's in chat right now. Skull Dixon did a great job of forming an expedition is what I call it. He went out and found some players to go with him to the, the Dwarven mine that uh, was having some problems. They were missing some of the Dwarven miners. And they had this really fun, cool adventure where they went out. Um, they, Wait, so the young dwarves or the dwarven miners? Right, there you go. <laughs> there you go, the pun. <laughs> the ER, not the OR. Oh. <laughs> um, so he did, and, and what it was for me, triumphantly, it was a fun adventure. They had fun. Um, but for me, it was this works when it's not just your normal group that's playing at the table. Like a lot of times you could do something and if it's all your friends at the table, it's going to kind of work anyways. Cause none of them are ever going to say, Jordan, your last Sunday game really sucked. Uh, you need to really step it up or something like that. Right. Cause they're your friends. They're there to have fun. Yeah. And if you say, are you, how'd you, do you like the game? They're probably like, yeah, yeah, the game's good. You know, it's pretty good. They never really, but if it's going to fall apart, it's going to be when it's with strangers that are be like, 
whoa, dude, this isn't Dungeons and Dragons. What are you doing? Where'd the spaceships come from? And why'd they have lasers? <laughs> you know, if you just break it completely, a stranger laser raptors. Yeah, they're going to call you on it. So it so for me, it was vindication that so far the system's working. Um, they did their skill challenges. Uh, they they failed one critically, but then they succeeded on the other three, which helped them offset their travel costs, gave them some bonuses and boons, and they got one minus um, off of it, which felt really cool and good. Um, they fought some, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, but you might know this, the, the Chitines or the Chitons, C-H-I-T-I-N-E-S. They're the four-armed hybrid spider human creatures that loath created just like the drow and she well, i know it's like them. chitinous plating so i wonder if it's chitin chitin chitines yeah because yeah, there's something. an e at the end so i didn't know if it was some maybe it's just chitins maybe it is just chitins and you don't say the e at all um so maybe it's the chitins but so i am notoriously them. awful at pronunciations just read <laughs> yeah. any comment on any video that i've ever made <laughs> yeah indoor adventures saying chitins he's going with that i think that's probably right you're probably right there so they fought some of that. They found out, which was really cool in this world. And it's not really a spoiler because this is the cool thing too. They have this opportunity to go back to the inn and brag about their adventure. And what I wanted to do is put a mechanic in that allowed them to do that, but also encouraged them to do that. Because if they're bragging about their adventure, then maybe one of the other adventure groups might decide to take their party over there and go find out what's going on. So, uh, I have one of the players, which is like the chronicler of the party, write up a little thing about the adventure. And if they put it in, they brag about what they did and what they saw. They get 50 XP points at the end for their character for writing that up in our Discord. So it keeps the narrative going. And the other party leaders can see, oh, they went and did this. And what they found was they found that there's this huge shaft that leads hundreds of feet, though they can't see the bottom. So as far as they can tell, it can be either hundreds of feet below or miles below straight down. And that's where these creatures came from. So this might be a entrance to some type of under dark cavernous kind of area. And they're going to, the dwarves are going to seal it off, but that doesn't mean another party group couldn't say, wait a minute, we're going to go and we're going to dive down that thing. And we want to go see what's down there. We want to go adventure that because they bragged about their adventure and it's now it's there. So I really like this mechanic of different parties are finding different things coming back and telling everybody about it and that generating more excitement for more parties to go, Oh wait, they saw a runes out in the woods. I wonder what that is. Let's take a group out and go check it out. We don't mm -hmm. even know what it is. Just some buildings. Who knows? So it's really fun. I can't wait to see more um, of it. And so far it's panning out pretty well. Now DMS out there, let me caution you because as you can tell, that was three games I just explained. So that means I played D Dungeons and Dragons about four times this week. And that's a lot <laughs> to play in a single week or to have planned out. Um, so be careful about scheduling yourself and be careful about your burnout ratio to creativity and how much you're willing to take on because it's obvious that you can quickly let this get out of hand and i probably will and i'll apologize <laughs> to everybody now because it's probably going to happen but i'm so excited to keep it going that i want to see what happens when another group does it and what happens when another group does it and and it was fun meeting these new people i mean i met um three new players one of them was a friend of mine and he just happened to volunteer for skulls expeditions they didn't know each other at all but i knew brian and he's in it and he was having fun and then the other three were brand new people so i got to play with skull dixon i got to play with um 
I don't see if they're seeing there in chat at the moment. Maybe Skull can type their names in for me as I'm forgetting them off the top of my head. But we had some really good players. It was cool to get them on camera. They had their microphones up. They sent me character art. They played their characters pretty well. They role played pretty fun. They got together pretty well as a group. They rolled with all the things that were going on. It was just a fun group of people I'd never played with, which is the other benefit of running something like this is mm -hmm. that increasing your player pool or increasing your community that you in your hobby that you're interacting with you're not just this isn't just me and my friends or me and a couple of friends hobby this is me and a whole community of people out there that you get to play with which i think is super cool so yeah that was my absolute busy week and i almost thought well we're having a holiday weekend maybe i should host some more games this weekend but i thought <laughs> you know what Let's slow it down. Let's let's let this go. Let's see how this happens. Yeah. But uh, I'll put those up on YouTube. They're already on Twitch. If you want to watch them, you can go to the VODs, and they should be up on YouTube over probably this weekend. I'll get them up. Um, and if you want to check in, and it's okay if you're going to play in the adventures. Um, and don't think that oh I can't watch what they did because I'll know what happens. That's the point of them bragging at the end. It's okay for you to know what another group did because even if you go there your experience is going to be slightly different or your experience is going to be going there after the ram ramifications of what they did. So even oh, if you go okay. back to the same exact spot, it doesn't matter that you know they fought those things. Who knows what you're going to meet when you get there? There's a whole underlying storyline going on and I just keep moving it along as we go. So, And it's not even random. It's not like I'm random and rolling. It's selected story stuff going on that happens even if you, you go back to somewhere somebody else went. So, mm -hmm. that was my week in Dungeons and Dragons, full of D and D, five E, Mega Campaign, Tomb of Annihilation. Um, can't wait to play some other stuff. I still want to play some other games, just haven't got to it yet. Now I'm ready for a big three day weekend. I'll probably play some computer games just to give myself a little rest. Yeah, and get ready for our Monday night game. How about Jordan's week in role playing? Yeah. Games? Well, um, I. I played some Hot Springs Island and I played some uh, Court of Worms over on Saber Dice. Um, so was, that was my two things. But somebody on Reddit, so our show has been um, in this Reddit thread for Hot Springs Island. Um, somebody was like, hey, I want to know, does anybody have experience running Hot Springs Island in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons? And somebody dropped a link to our show, the YouTube channel. Um, so I've been popping in there and like answering questions best I can because uh, although there, although this Hot Springs Island is like popular because of people like Questing Beast made videos on it and things like that, um, there isn't a lot of people that are running it uh, on the internet so people can see kind of like how it works. Um, I did find a Google Plus group that is running Hot Springs Island as a Dungeon Crawl Classics game, which is really interesting. Google um, Plus is a very big yes. community from the role play game. So if anybody's out there wondering why you can't find stuff online, it's probably because you didn't go to the Google Plus stuff because for whatever reason, Numenera, all these mm. other games, especially indie games, DCC mm. games, MCC games, they have huge Google Plus communities. So if you're looking for that stuff, definitely go find the Google Plus groups for those. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's an amazing resource. So... 
so anyway, Reddit's been going through, and um, I wanted to take this time because there was a, a guy named We Need Carl Sagan back, which is just a fun name, but that's his name. But he was like, I have so many questions for you. And I said, you know what? Why don't I answer these on the Saturday morning D&D show? And then more people who have been coming to these links to watch about Hot Springs Island can get the information. Um, so I was just going to go through some of the questions he had. He says, nice. how, how did you start the game? What was your hook? And... Uh, the guys that wrote Hot Springs Island have a really good hook where you are basically indebted to this company called the Martell Company. They 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 bought your debt for indentured servitude. And part of your indentured servitude is we want you to explore this island and bring back any gold or any any valuables that you find, bring it back to us. And then that will that will uh, lessen your debt to the point where you can become a free person again. So that was the that was the hook I used is that they were just indentured servants. You're not sure what you're. I mean, they all could come up with their own history, but basically they had some kind of large debt that was bought by the Martell Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his second question is: Are you looking for something to pay off the debt to the Martell Martel Company? And that's all they're doing on the island. They're exploring the island, looking for valuables, gold. Um, jewels, anything of like weird exotic animals that they can sell, basically anything that they can try and sell. They meet back up with the Marktel company on regular intervals and they give it back to lessen their debt. Now their debt is magically linked to a tattoo on their back. So every time they, they hand over gold and stuff, their tattoo will shrink a little and their goal is to get their tattoo all the way down. Now my players asked me, um, sorry, go ahead. What did you say? And then they can go home. Right? And then they can go What's home. The, yeah. yeah. So nice. my players said to me, well, how much, how much do we actually have to give over before we we're free and we can go home? Um, and I said, you know, if you really want me to, I can put like a numerical value on it, but I like the idea of it being ambiguous that not even, you know, and so, yeah, your tattoo shrinks a little but like, you don't know how much is left and it kind of just keeps it open for we can explore as long as you guys want to keep exploring is is kind of the idea um so i i like that um his next question is how are you handling experience points um i went through and i i statted out all of the monsters so when they defeat a monster or when i feel like if a monster runs away because it was hurt enough um basically if they don't run away they get experience points that has been leveling them up a little slower than I want. So I have said for just role play purposes and getting out of certain situations, I'm going to award 300 to 400 experience points per character in a session. So if I have um, four sessions at 300, there's 1,200 experience points right off the bat, get-go, plus whatever monsters they defeated. And then we add that all together, divide it by four, and that's how much experience they're getting. It's just... A mechanic I'm using because I wanted them to level up a little faster than they would have just defeating monsters um, on Hot Springs Island. His next question is, how much gold do you give the players? It says that it's found almost everywhere, and do I run with encumbrance? I haven't ran into encumbrance yet, but they are going to get to a point where they can't carry like this much gold. So they're going to have to, that's part of the the thing. Like They're going to have to figure out ways of doing this. They already made like a makeshift uh, cart to haul one of their well the the player that died to like haul his body off so they've been really really um smart about trying to figure out either magical ways or just intelligent ways to like haul and move things out of the way so um 
or information is valuable. And maybe they go back to the Martell company and they say, we found an entire like wall of gold. That information should, should lessen our tattoos a little bit because you can send people back and, and get gold that way. Hmm. Um, and some other things that he asks, like, do I bother with levels of exhaustion? Yes, they have rations. Um, when their rations run out, they're going to have to find more food and eat various things. Um, they haven't run out of rations yet because they all kind of started with X amount of rations from the Martell company. Because the Martell company wants to keep them alive, even though they are kind of expendable in their eyes. Um, how do I convey secrets on the island? The island is full of secrets. This is all through NPC um conversations. The more they talk to the night axe ogres, the more they learn about what happened to the night axe ogres. The more they try to talk to the salamanders, they learn about why the salamanders are there and what the salamanders want. Um, they, they randomly, this last session, they ran into, um, lizard men and I was not prepared for this, but I rolled randomly mm -hmm. and it was a lizard man NPC and they have their own agenda for being on the Island. So I had to quickly read through that and then kind of impromptu a scene with why the lizard men are here um i ended up making up a bunch of stuff and not that i retconned it but i added on later like oh they're also here for x y and z but like this particular group here is after um this this uh rare bird this zip bird i, I said that they were hunting a zip bird and so i was like this particular group is after a zip bird but like the lizard men as a whole are here for these reasons um and then finally he asks uh how do you keep your players engaged in exploring in a sandbox without defined goals? And that's been the easiest part. Like it seems that seems difficult, but they want to explore like their, their goal is to find stuff and they're obtaining new goals as they're exploring. Like they've befriended the night axe ogres. They kind of want to overthrow this evil Svarku guy who has enslaved the night axe ogres. And so they want to help them because the night axe ogres help them. Um, they realize they're probably not powerful enough to do that. But um, I think the joy of a sandbox is just the act of exploring. And so you have to have players that want to do that. Um, but yeah, they're having a lot. Yeah. But they're having a lot of fun just like, well, what's this hex over here? Um, mm -hmm. I finally introduced the, cause hot springs Island comes in two books one is The Dark of Hot Springs Island, which is the book for the Game Master. And the second is A Field Guide to Hot Springs Island, which is a book intended for the players to find. So when my player died and he came back with a new character off the boat, I had him, he had a copy of The Field Guide because he's a cleric and he's kind of a learned man. It kind of made sense that he would have this. And I shared that field guide with my players. Well, one of them read it like cover to cover. And so he's just like, let me guys, I'm going to explain to you. This used to be called the Isle of Light. It was run by elves, but something happened. I don't really know what happened, but there's like elvish things and da, 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 da. So he's, he's a little more knowledgeable now, which is kind of scary as a dun dungeon master because I don't want to give away too much. But I, find, I found that it's been invaluable to have him know enough about the world that he can explain it to the other players. And then I can piggyback, piggyback off of what he's explained. And, and I know the underlying themes that he isn't aware of because the field guide is just kind of a surface level of the island and various yeah. things they found. And it's also been fun when they encounter new monsters or plants, mm -hmm. they'll like flip through the book. Like, oh, which yeah. oh, this is this. Is it dangerous? I don't know. It doesn't say if it's dangerous or not, but it definitely likes, you know, Tipa root. And we're going to feed it Tipa root and see if we can befriend it or something like that. 
Um, and I just made that up, but it's yeah, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, in Tomb Annihilation, you can buy Volo's guide. Yeah. So Volo actually wrote a guide, <clears throat> and one of our characters saved up the 50 gold to buy it, and it's been invaluable as we come across other creatures to say, oh, <clears throat> after we defeat them or after we see them, let's mm. open Volo's guide and figure out what they are to get a little information about them. And, and so that's been really cool. I like that idea, and I want to put that into more of my games where they have these sources of information that are already kind of written out for them to understand those kinds of things. And I think that's um, a pretty cool way to add in some of that world building and get mm -hmm. in some of that narrative, which is really fun and cool. And I think you hit the nail on the head because we had this big discussion this week too about how I messed up my Storm King Thunder campaign a little bit because, and I realized one of the things I did was um, this talks about what your players want to do, right? So with yours, you had this party and how did you present the game to them before they decided to play in it? What was the pitch? Oh, the pitch? The these? pitch was that it's, it sound like? it's a sandbox game that you can explore an island. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, there's no real boundaries. Like it's kind of like pick a direction and go. And then I said, oh, woo, woo, woo. And I said that I would roll randomly to see what you encounter and who you encounter. And so it's going to be, I don't like, I don't know if I actually like they were just excited to play. And I said, this is a really cool setting where me as the dungeon master, I get to kind of roll the world in front of you and you react to what I roll. And I think they really liked that randomness aspect of it, that it wasn't a, a railroad kind of um, narrative. Not that something yeah. like Storm King's Thunder is super railroady, but this is definitely a lot more open than previous games that I have run or played in so yeah yeah so you set it up kind of right and then the players realize that even before the first session during their court character creation and then now that it's running they're doing the things that you would expect them to do and not having any of the trouble which makes total sense here's the thing that storm king's thunder was weird because you have the rails storyline oh, my dogs hold on. <laughs> there we go okay um, they have the Rails storyline, but right in the middle of the adventure, mm -hmm. chapter three in the book says, uh, let's go open world. Let them just do whatever they want. Yeah. That threw everything off for my group because they go from we're on the storyline. They know they're playing a storyline to what are your character goals? And they just kind of wallowed around at mm -hmm. that point because they didn't have the goals. And I think you have to be very careful. You don't want to mix those two very much or you have to convey it in such a way that they understand it because my players were all about we need to fix the storm king's problem it's a you mm -hmm. know the, the giants are rampaging we're obviously here to, to fix that why are we in this part now where we can just wander around and do whatever ever we want we need to fix the giant thing and didn't you tell us the giant thing was a big problem mm -hmm. and so it was like i realize now that that made it much tougher from a gm or dm part perspective because they threw it in there without really um, explaining it to the characters very well. And I didn't do it myself because I didn't realize it was going to happen. So I think it's, you got to be careful. Open world works great when the players know it's going to be open world yeah. and they're willing to be, Oh, let's explore. And they're excited about exploring. Um, so make sure they know that that's what it's about. And I think that's yours is working out great because of that, because they knew what they were getting into and open worlding it. 
And there's player motivations to think about. Um, and luckily, they've kind of developed their own motivations. Some of them want to play the system. They want to give stuff to the Martell company to lessen their tattoos, to be able to go home. Um, one, The sorcerer one day was like, why don't we keep these magic items? Like, why are we just giving these away? These make us more powerful. Maybe we could, like, overthrow them and, and go back and, like, figure out a way to remove these tattoos or remove this curse that's upon us. So they're, and then one of them kind of is just kind of after gold and loot and wants to get more powerful and, and maybe side with some of the creatures on the island to find a way off. Um, there there mm-hmm. has to be other avenues of transportation rather than just the Martell Company's boats. Um, they haven't found that yet, but they've been inquisitive and they've been asking about it. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. Uh, they're having a good time. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm really really like my hot springs island game like it's been a lot of fun it's been a lot of uh stress in that like this uh lizard folk that just showed up where i'm just like i didn't read anything about lizard folk like i should have brushed up on that before the game started kind of put me in a panic not a panic but like put me on edge where i'm just like i don't really know and i can make stuff up but i know that there's set stuff in the campaign that i don't necessarily want to make up but it it worked out in the end it was a lot of fun um, mm-hmm. and then Saber Dice, I won't really get into that, but we, we did another trial and I'm having a lot of fun with my gnome wizard, um, casting spells like lightning bolt and fireball and, uh, being useful as a wizard has been a lot of fun, like coming in and just like, like I cast flight on my entire party so that we were falling so that we could like fly around. And I think it threw the dungeon master off on a loop where he was like, Oh, I was expecting you guys to fall for like a couple miles and here you're you're now able to fly and safely land and and mm-hmm. things like that has been really fun where i'm just like oh i get to play with all these magical toys like it's it's cool uh-huh. i think i'm ninth yeah we're ninth level so i get fifth level spells so it's like lots of fun lots of fun uh magic is being used but yeah cool. well that's our show ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for sticking around this entire time to listen to us ramble about our dungeons and dragons experiences i hope uh reddit that this uh yeah i'm gonna maybe i'll link this back so you guys can and uh listen to some of the answers that i gave um because i thought they were really good questions so thank you reddit for your really good questions on hot springs island uh i have no other news really to answer or i have nothing else to say so anything else sir lucian (laughs) yeah uh just want to remind everybody in chat that if you want to play in a game with me in the seeking revenor campaign even jordan can create a character and play at some point if you want because you don't have to commit this isn't one of those things where you have to say i'm going to play every tuesday or i'm gonna play every wednesday you can play once a week you can play once a month you can play once a year if you want and get into this uh, just go ahead and send me an email at seekingrevenar at gmail.com and I will get back in touch with you with all of the things that are required to get you up and running and into this. Um, I think it's going to be super cool. We have a whole Discord for it. We have a whole game running for it. And there's a really good community building up around that. So yeah. if you're one of those people out there that's like, I can't ever find a game, maybe this one will work for you if you want to play some Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition with me as your GM. Other than that, can't wait to see everybody at the next show. Yeah, um, Indoor Adventure reminded me that we have merchandise so that we have Saturday morning D&D show cups. Um, and I've got a bunch of Forgotten Realms Explained t-shirts that if you are interested in those, there are links in the doobly-doo um, to all that stuff. And Mine they're just fun. Mine is in the mail. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I just got um, my Forgotten Realms shirt the other day. Um, I got a 
Jordan University sticker in the mail, and hopefully my yeah. sweatshirt will be here um, soon because that's just it's just fun. So yeah, if you guys yeah, want some, that's what I got the Jordan University nice. T-shirt. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you next Saturday for another episode of the Saturday Morning D and D Show. Always a pleasure to be here and to share our Saturday mornings with you. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.